our seats now so we can get started diving into the Word of God this morning. Amen. 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 How many of you guys are excited to be here this morning? If you guys don't know me, my name is John Miller. My wife, Suzanne, and I are actually the um, life group directors here at Grace Point Church. Pastor Rich is actually out today. Uh, yesterday was his birthday, so his family decided to be a good thing to take him away for a little mini vacation. I think that's very sweet of them, don't you think so? Yeah. Amen. So let me ask you a question. How many of you guys love your pastor, Pastor Rich? So this is what we're going to do right now, okay? Because he was not here today. And yesterday was his birthday. We're all going to sing happy birthday to him right now. Because when he goes back to listen to it, he's going to think that we really like him because we do, right? So I'll start. Then I'm going to shut up because they'll cut my mic if I keep singing. All right? So let's sing to Pastor Rich. Happy birthday. Amen. So I was out there looking out there. Now I'm trying to see who now we can get for praise team. Josh, you might want to check out some of these people out here singing. You know, so today is a great day. I think any day that you're above the ground is a great day. Amen. Amen. And so today what we're going to do is Pastor Rich has been in a series called Ordinary Heroes. Ordinary Heroes. And, and, and the whole thing is that it doesn't take anybody extraordinary to be a hero. It takes us to being willing. And I think that's a great thing, to be willing to say, God, I'm willing, ready, and able to be used by you. Ordinary people, you and I, are able to change an entire generation. And I believe that we'll be able to do that. So just a quick review. Week one, uh, Pastor Rich talked about ordinary faith. Talk about ordinary faith. Uh, it doesn't take supernatural faith uh, to move a mountain. It just takes you believing in God supernaturally. That's all it takes. Uh, week number two, he talked about ordinary son. He talked about Abel. Week three, ordinary man. He talked about Enoch. Week four, ordinary builder. He talked about Noah. And week five, he talked about ordinary senior citizen. He talked about Abraham. I love this because this captures everybody. Because that's what we are. We're about everybody. And I really love this series. So today what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about ordinary teenager. Ordinary teenager. How many teenagers do I have here? Jiro, I see you back there. You could actually pass for one. You know that, right? <laughs> so this is what I want you guys to do. If there's any teenagers in here, just, just move closer to the front because I want to really talk to you today. Come on. Don't, you, don't, you don't have to be scared. Don't, don't, don't be scared. Don't be scared. So just move right somewhere right up to the front. I really want to talk to you guys because you guys are the ones that's going to, that's going to change us, that's going to carry on the legacy. Uh, is that uh, Juwan's back there? Come on up here, sir. Try to hide back there in the back. I got you. I got you. So, Suzette and I, we are, we are actually parents to, how many teenagers do we have? Two? We have two, and I think Elijah thinks he's one too, but he's, he, he just turned three. So, <laughs> I, I think that he thinks he's one as well. And so, today, we're going to talk about Joseph, 
about Joseph. Most of us remember the story of Joseph, and I'm going to go into that. i just give you a quick backdrop. You know, Joseph was uh, the son of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Um, at the time, there was 12 of them, and he was the last one, okay? And so, but he was actually Jacob's favorite because he was the only son that he had by his beloved, who was it, Rebecca? I believe that's who it was, and Rachel. It started with an R. I knew that. I knew that. It started with an R. I was close. Thank you. By Rachel. By Rachel. And so what happened was Jacob kind of favored Joseph. And just real quick right there, I want to let you know that sometimes, you know, your father favors you. All you teens. He favors you. He has something special, especially for you. And so what happened is you have all the other brothers. They were all herders. And so they would go out there and herd. And in my mind, I just see Joseph saying, look, Dad, I'm your favorite. Why do I have to be out there getting dirty? Because he was the favorite. And so Jacob goes and says, you know, Joseph, come here. You know, I have this, have this jacket I want to give you. It's filled with colors. That just means that he was special. And his brothers completely got irate and they were upset. And, you know, why is he the favorite one? We've been here doing all of this, but this little runt comes along. And now all of a sudden he's the favorite. Why is this happening? And so Joseph has a dream. We've heard this story before, right? Joseph has a dream. The dream is not of his own. The dream is given from God. And so Joseph comes to his brother and says, hey, check this out. This is what my dream was about. I am this person. I had dreamed all this kind of stuff, and I'm going to get into that, so I'm not going to give you everything right now. And so they basically said, look, so you're telling me, you little runt, that pretty much you're going to be ruling over us? I don't think so. And so that made it a little, little upset, right? And so he has another dream, and this time his father's there. And he tells them the dream again and what happened. So his dad says, so what you're telling me is you're telling me that your brothers, me and your mother are all going to bow down to you. That's crazy. But what I liked about the end of that, though, is it said that his brothers completely discounted everything that is said, but his father kept it in mind. Because it's something good about when God gives you a dream. Not everybody is going to believe it. And not everybody is going to accept it. But there's always going to be somebody who knows of somebody greater than you. And they'll hold it in the back of their mind. I don't know how it's going to come true, but uh, it's a possibility. And so I want to take you to Hebrews just really quick. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22. And this is actually the ending of what happened. And then we're going to, then we're going to go to the beginning. It says, by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Now, this scripture here, this is at the end of Joseph reigning as second in charge of Egypt. Okay? And so, this is why this scripture is good because it, this scripture talks about what was at the end, what happened at the end. But before we know what happened, everything that happened, we need to go and talk about what happened in the very beginning so we'll know exactly how Joseph got to where he was. And I want to add something just real quick to, 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 to all my teenagers, even to all of us and us seasoned people as well. I said that right. Yeah, us seasoned people as well. All right. I'm getting, I'm getting better. I'm learning. I'm learning. Because there's some dreams I believe that God has deposited on the inside of us. And because we go through things, we're going to talk about that. Because we go through things and situations, we have lost focus of the dream that God had put on the inside of us. And so one thing that I liked about Joseph, and man, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's okay. Joseph held tight to that dream. 
And regardless what turmoil came, he remained faithful to God because he knew that God is the one who gave him the dream. So I have a couple points that I want to talk to you about. My first point is this. Believe in your dream and dream big. Believe in your dream and dream big. Genesis 37, 5 through 11. Check this out. This is, this is what it says. We're going to read this really quick. It says, now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated, they hated him even more. For one, that, that tells they hated him even more. It means they hated him already. But now that I told you what God has showed me, you're hating me even more now. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us or are you indeed to rule over us? Now, this, this is a question that, that I want to ask. First of all, is, is God gave Joseph the dream. Joseph told his brothers to dream, but his brothers already knew what the dream meant. Am I right? Because that's what it says. He says, are you indeed to reign over us or are you indeed to rule over us? So they knew what the dream meant. Man, this is going to be good. Um, then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brother and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come and bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. The associate professor of neurology at Boston University School of Medicine said this about dreaming. He said, dreaming is a cultural universal, though not everyone recalls their dreams. But for those who dream and remember, sometimes they dream what is called a big dream. If you got a dream, dream big in which they encode in the memory an epic win or a distinctive period of some sort. So basically what he's saying, he's saying, look, everybody dreams. Everybody dreams. Just not everybody remembers the dream. But if the dream is big enough, you're going to remember it, and it's going to be stuck in your memory. Now, this is what I want you to understand, that dreamers are ordinary people who imagine extraordinary things. Dreamers aren't perfect people. And you can look at Joseph for that fact. Joseph was a tattletale, remember? He went and checked out. His father said, look, go check out your brothers. See what they're doing. Come back and report to me. And he went and looked and says, ooh, dad, guess what they're doing? Joseph was a tattletale. He's not perfect, but he had a dream from God. As a matter of fact, Joseph was well-liked by his father. Anybody would call, oh, man, you're a spoiled little brat. I got anybody spoiled in here? Hey, Amen. I'm spoiled. If you know who your father is, everybody should be raising their hand. Because we're all spoiled. But Joseph was spoiled by his father. And because of that, his brothers hated him because of that. And so Joseph was a tattletale. His daddy favored him. And so he didn't have to work as hard as others. And Joseph's dream was too big for the natural eye. Let me tell you something, teens. Not everybody is going to believe in your dream. Not everybody is going to see the exact same vision of the dream that God gave you. Because God gave you a dream. He didn't give me your dream. 
but he gave you your dream. And so what we have to do is we have to really, when you dream, make sure when you wake up, like, I don't know what that man, man, write that down. I'm really bad at that because I think I have a very good memory and I can remember everything, but I really can't remember what I just did walking through that door. <laughs> and so this is wisdom from somebody who can't, who's not going to remember probably what I said as soon as I leave this stage. That when you get that dream from God, if there's anything inside of you, if you have a dream, if whatever it is that you want to be, you write it down. Because if you write it down somewhere, then you can always go back to when you get off track and say, this was the dream that God gave me. And so I need to align myself according to the dream that he gave me, not only for you teens, but even for us adults, because we have dreams too. And my dream is to make sure that I provide greatly for my family. That's a dream of mine. And why do I dream that? Because it was never done for me growing up. I didn't have mom and dad. I didn't know what it was like to really have somebody to encourage my dreams. And so that's what I dream about is making sure that my family's good, to encourage them. But also, Joseph's brother's vision was limited. Check out Genesis 3, 37 and 8. It says this. It says, his brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dream and for his words. They couldn't see Joseph's dream. Or let me rephrase it. They didn't want to see Joseph's dream. Because Joseph told them what he dreamed and they answered it themselves. They said, are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? I don't even know if Joseph knew what it meant at that time. But sometimes that's how God works. If he gives you dreams and if he has a plan for your life, which he does for all of us, sometimes he'll use the naysayers to tell you exactly and to propel you into, into your God-given destiny. And that's a good thing. So this is the thing. We do not all have the right to dream small dreams. None of us have a right to dream small. Our God has a magnanimous mind. And the view that he has of you is magnanimous. It's huge. It's enormous. It's big. Gigantic. He doesn't see you as some little small peon that's just on the earth that he created. He sees you as something and somebody that's now going to go and change a generation. That's now that's going to bring a, a, a heaven to earth because that's what he's given you inside of you. You're going to be the ones to take the batons and to run with it. Just because you have a dream and a vision from God doesn't mean other dream, uh, others dream the same thing. As a matter of fact, to some of them, it might even be a nightmare. That's real. When I was studying this, even yesterday I was typing everything up. And I feel as the Holy Spirit just dropped that into my mind. I was like, Lord, how can you give me a dream? I let somebody know your dream. Your dreams is good. But how can it be a nightmare to somebody else? Because not everybody wants to see good. And not everybody wants you to do well. Nobody wants you in front of them. I can't say nobody because a lot of us want to, you know, I want, yeah, come, come take this from me. I'll be good. But not everybody wants you to succeed. 
And so that may be a nightmare to some of them. The rest of Genesis 37 tells us that Joseph's brothers were tending to the flock when Jacob sent them to check on them. Verse 18 says that when they saw him from afar, they plotted to kill him all because he was favored by his father and he believed in his dream. Sometimes dreams are costly. And sometimes people may have it out for you. And sometimes you may tell somebody exactly what your dream is. Mom, dad, brother, sister, friend, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be. This is what I thought God was telling me. This is what I dreamed about last night. And they may say, oh, there goes that dreamer. Walk away from you. Go do their own thing. But as soon as they see you from afar off, they're plotting. Man, how can I get this guy away from me? How can I get him from saying all this encouraging stuff? How can I get him from really believing that God will really do exactly what God said? How do I get them to stop believing that? And so they're plotting on Joseph. And so you get one of the brothers, he says, look, let's kill him. And then Reuben, I believe, was the older brother. He says, no, 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 because no, Reuben did some bad stuff. And so his dad kind of had a Kind of had that, look, I'm keeping an eye on you, you know, because you, you done messed up. And so Reuben thinks that he's going to be the savior. No, 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 we are not going to shed blood. We're not going to do that. Because if we do that, uh, what he was really saying is, look, if I go back and tell my father that, look, your sons wanted to kill him, but I saved him, maybe now that'll put me back in and we'll be on good terms again. He was plotting. No, we, 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 can't, we can't shed blood. We, we can't kill him. Because if we do that, our father will be so hurt. And if we do that, I won't have a way to get back in with my father from all the wrong that I've done before anyway. Because I'm not worth being in with my father because I did wrong. So that's what he was doing. Although Joseph was sold. And so they, what they did is they, they, they put him in a hole. They found a hole they put him in. And you get the Ishmaelites to come along. And they say, okay, no, we won't kill him. Let's pull him up. Let's sell him. Let's get him away from us. And so the Ishmaelites took him and they ended up selling him to Egypt. But the thing that I liked about him is Joseph never lost hope. He never lost faith. And he never gave up on his dream. This brings me into my second point. Loyalty to God's vision brings blessings. Loyalty to God's vision brings blessings. But I'm going to tell you guys, this is a story that we've all heard before about Joseph. But this was hard for me to put together. Because now I'm kind of in a little teaching mode now. I like preaching mode a lot better. But sometimes God will give you the simplest things to make you simplify things. So why it was hard for me to put together because I'm wanting to go. I'm wanting to run. Even right now, I'm like, man, come on, God, speak to me right now. Let's go. It's not that time because I realize now that he's speaking to me even, even through this. And he's speaking to all of us adults even, even through this. So teens, don't think this is just for you. But it is just for you. 
because we're going to piggyback on your day. So loyalty to God's vision brings blessings. Genesis 39, 1 through 6. Genesis 39, 1 through 6. It says this. It says, now Joseph had been, bought, had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. Man, that's good. So you tell me that my brothers want to kill me, so they don't kill me, so they put me down this hole and take a little something back to my dad with some blood on it saying, look, he's gone. He's never going to be around. They sell me to the Ishmaelites, who then take me to Egypt, who I go in the house with Potiphar, who's in charge of some stuff with Pharaoh. And it says the Lord was still with Joseph. So you're telling me that even in the most mundane situations, God can still bless you in that. Because what's somebody wants to do bad to you, God always has his hands on that. We'll talk about it a little bit later. And he became a successful man. So not only was the Lord with him, not only did his brothers want to kill him, not only did they sell him, but it says that the Lord is with him and he became a successful man because he was loyal to God's vision. Because he believed in the dream and he dreamed big. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From that time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Because of the dream that he deposited into Joseph, because the loyalty that Joseph had to the vision and the dream that God deposited in him. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Man, Joseph looked kind of like me. Hey, my wife up here smiling. That's all that matters. She's like, yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. And so this is the thing. Check this out. Pastor Russ Austin said that he's a pastor of South Point in Florida. Florida. Yeah, Florida. He said this. He said, a loyal person is a jealous and zealous person. Loyalty is a form of integrity and is the first line of defense to ward off evil. Man, when he talked about loyalty like that, my mind completely, I was like, holy smokes. So you're telling me that if I'm loyal, that I can be the first line of defense to ward off anything evil that's being done? Yes. You can because a loyal person is a jealous person. I'm jealous over the dreams that God gave me. You're not going to come and take this from me. Joseph's saying, regardless of what you do to me, you're not going to interrupt what I know that God has for me. So he is loyal to the vision, and it brought blessings. Everything that a loyal believer touches produces a blessing. And this is the thing that I like. You can't be blessed and have a vision from God and not produce that same blessing. Back that thing up real fast. You can't be blessed and have a vision from God and not produce the same blessing. Challenge. If God blesses you, 
And if he gives you a vision, then we're required, if we're walking loyally under the vision of God, to reproduce the same thing. Because when God gives us a dream and a vision, he has everybody else in mind. Not just you. That's what I like about God. It's never about us. We'll get that one day. That it's never about us. A dream will at time even cause you to lose friends. It will. It'll cause you to lose friends. I I, I can tell you right now, and she's probably going to be like, oh, my God, John, here we go. You're about to talk about me again. But my wife is probably the most honest, loyal person that I know. I don't even think I'm a fraction of where she is. And because she's honest and because she's loyal and because she's true to her faith, you get a lot of people that turns her back on her. And when she's going through it, it's a struggle. But she knows she has a dream. She has a vision that God has placed something inside of her. And and I brought that up because she said something just the other day. I said, holy smoke. (laughs) When she, because what happened is she's going through some stuff at work. Make sure ain't nobody in here that she works with. (laughs) And um, everything was good. But she asked me, she says, John, what do I do? And I told her, I said, look, babe, if your convictions are true to what God told you to do, if you are true, if you are right, if you are honest, then you lie in your convictions. And she says, you know, I was at work and I was just praying. And although I'm going through all this stuff, I said to God, I said, God, thank you for allowing me to go through this. And I looked, I said, I said, <laughs> I said, whoa, that's, that's big. So you telling me that you're thanking God for allowing you to go through these struggles. Oh, God, take this cup from me. And it really made me think about how I view things now. But she said, God, thank you for letting me go through this because she has a vision. Because she has a dream. And that dream is to make anybody who she comes in contact with better. And teens, that's why you have a dream. See, visions and dreams often come with setbacks due to the nature of their attractiveness. Dreams are attractive, especially if it's a big dream because you're going to get people to want to jump on board, even though they have nothing to do with the dream. Sometimes you're going to get setbacks, but we have to understand that those setbacks are usually set up by God to propel you into your God-given destiny. It happened to Joseph. His brothers wanted to kill him. They sold him, but through everything, he remained loyal to the vision that God gave him. Even when you are displaced by society because of your dream, by your family because of your dream, by your friends Because of your dream, you'll remain loyal to the call of God and submit to those that he puts over you. Why do I say that? Because Joseph did that. Every place that he went, he was loyal. Even knowing, we're we're going to get to that. Even knowing Potiphar's wife liked him because he was an attractive man. Look kind of like me. And 
she was attracted to that dream. She was attracted to the position of power that God had put um, um, Joseph in. It wasn't Potiphar or Pharaoh to put him in power. It was God. He just used him as a mouthpiece. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if they believed the same God that he believed. But because God was on his life, they said, you know what? I'm going to move you here. And this is what you're going to be. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to be in charge of everything except for my wife. And so his wife comes and he's away. Potiphar's away and his wife comes to Joseph and she says, oh, Joseph, boy, you so fine. And you know, this is my husband's house. And because this is my husband's house, you know, um, um, you need to do what I say. I want you to come to my room and I want you to sleep with me. And Joseph said, bye, boo. (laughs) You're kind of crazy right now because your husband put me over everything, everything he has except for you. And I am loyal not only to your husband, but I'm loyal to God first. And I will not sin because of that. And so she grabs him, no, baby, come here, please. Come do this with me. And he runs. And it says that he leaves a sweater, he leaves a jacket. And so she plots on him and says, okay, well, since you're not going to do that, when he gets home, because I have a piece of your garment now, I'm just going to tell him that you tried to sleep with me. And I said no. And when I started yelling, he just ran out and you left us here because everybody was coming and you didn't want to grab it. It's a soap opera. All y'all may not have seen that. And so Potiphar throws him in prison. And Genesis 32, 23 says, it says, the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Genesis 40, Joseph interprets a dream for two prisoners. They came out to be correct. So the cupbearer ended up being restored back to his position in Pharaoh's house. And so Pharaoh has a dream and he says, oh, by the way, there was this guy that I know that I was in prison with because you put me there because you didn't like what I did. That we had dreams, uh, me and this other guy, and he interpreted them. And that's exactly what happened. The other guy got hanged and now I'm here restored back to my position. He said it was going to happen. So I think you might want to go and talk to him. And so Pharaoh had these dreams, right? And so he gets everybody, he gets the all these witches and warlocks and devil worshipers to come and try to interpret the dream and nobody can interpret them. So he says, you know what? Go bring that dude here. I want him to see if um, he can interpret exactly this dream that I had. And so point number three that I want to get to you is, and you can probably look at it like, man, that's kind of a weird point, but check it. You're going to get it. I promise the spirit of God only. The Spirit of God only. John, what do you mean by the Spirit of God only? Check this out. In Genesis 41, 38 through 40, it says this. It says, and Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man? Now, this is after he had interpreted the dream. Okay, he told Pharaoh exactly what's going to happen. You know, the dreams that you had, it means it's going to come seven years of famine, and, but you're going to have seven good years before that. And so you need somebody who's wise enough to store up all this food so that everybody can live. And so at the, it, says, it says, and Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Who else can do this except for somebody who has the spirit of God inside of him? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regard the throne will I be greater 
than you. So check this out. So you're telling me that I'm a prisoner for doing the right thing. My brothers hate me. They sold me. They still think that I'm dead. This is years later. They still think, and keep in mind, Joseph was, he was even a young guy whenever he came here with Pharaoh. I think he was like 30 years old. Some of us now are getting 26, 27. We're like, oh my gosh, time is running out. I don't know what I'm, Joseph was 30 when he was in charge of all of Egypt. Was it 26? Who said 26? Amen. I rounded up. Thank you, ma'am. He was 26. And he was put in charge. Now, so you're telling me that although people put me in these bad situations, although bad things happen to me, you're telling me that sometimes because I have the hand of God on my life and I believe in that dream and that vision that I can bypass everything else and go straight to the top, baby. That is exactly what I'm trying to tell you. So what I like about Joseph, and you guys know that one song that says, you know, started from the bottom, now we're here. That's not Joseph's case because Joseph already started with the dream from God. He was already there. He just got set back. Because God was setting him up to propel him forward. And so, teens, that's what I want to tell you. You see, just because people don't believe in your dream, just because you get set back, doesn't mean that God's not going to do what he said he's going to do. You just have to remain faithful To his vision. True interpretation only comes by the Spirit of God and Him only. It only comes through the Spirit of God and Him only. The Spirit of God in, on, and around of your life is the only means by which you and I are able to even walk faithfully and holy in the presence of God. It's because of the Spirit of God. There's a story behind every successful person on how they were able to obtain greatness. Everybody has a story. So we think that one day, Stephen Curry just showed up and bam, there it was. He this big mega superstar making all these millions of dollars with Under Armour and with Golden State Warriors and winning championships and all these kind of awards. It didn't happen like that. Yeah, his dad was up there. But Stephen Curry was a little bitty dude. He still had to work. Michael Jordan had to work. All of our presidents had to work. They had to come from somewhere. Guess what you have to do? You have to work. You have to believe. And if you don't believe and have faith in that dream, then you're doing yourself a disservice. Joseph didn't have supernatural power or ability. He believed that God would supernaturally move on his behalf. You don't got to be some supernatural superstar. Because we don't have that ability. We only have that ability through Jesus and through the power that he has and through the power that he gives us. Just like you and I, Joseph was an ordinary teenager that got revelation from an extraordinary God that caused him to believe a dream. We work in the power of the spirit and not the power of self. We have to understand that everything that we do has to come by the Spirit of God and by the Spirit of God only. Nothing that you do 
will remain if you get outside of the vision and dream that he's placed on your life. And this is my last point, and I'm out. You are given a dream to keep others alive. And I want to read these scriptures for you really fast. Genesis 45, 7 and 8. It says, and God sent me before. Now, this is him talking to his brothers. He had, his brothers came and, you know, uh, um, I need to buy some food from you. And Joseph knew who they were and Joseph just couldn't take it. He says, look, guys, it's me. I'm the one you wanted dead. I'm the one that you sold. But because you sold me, I was able to walk into the dream that God gave me. And I was loyal to his vision. And Joseph said, he said, and God sent me before you to reserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He, this is the good thing. People can think they've done and can do whatever they want to with your life. But God just uses them to propel you to your destiny. So I like to sing a little song, Haters Keep On Hating. Really. A lot of us don't like the haters. Oh, they're doing this. That's fine. They're just building, building character for you just so God is able to use you when it's your time. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh. So he has made me a father to the mightiest man in Egypt and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Let's go to the next scripture. But Joseph said to them, do not fear because they were scared. Oh, please, I'm so sorry that we did this to you. Joseph says, do not fear for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And what I want all of us to understand, teens, adults, seniors, women, men, boys and girls, everybody. What I want us to understand is God has given us a dream to live. He's given us a vision so that other people will be able to survive. He's given us a dream and a vision so that we could walk under the vision, under the power of the Holy Spirit, not of self, because somebody 10, 20, 30 years from now is going to need you to walk on your vision today because if you don't, they're going to die. And so Joseph said, you meant evil for what you did. You wanted to kill me. But God knew that if it was not for me living out his dream and his vision because I was willing and I was able that everybody would have died had I not been loyal to his call. And I want to ask all of you right now, everybody, not just the teens, have you been loyal to the vision that God has placed in your life? Have you been loyal to the dream that God has given you? Is there just little pieces of it that you like better than the other? Because 
none of us wants to go through the process because the process hurts. It's like Pastor Rich talked about last week. He talked about some cooking things. Everybody wants fast food. I want to eat. I want to eat now. I want it fast. I want to have it my way. I'm going to go to McDonald's. And By the way, I love McDonald's. I'm not knocking them. That number two minus onions, large sweet tea, two apple pies, bam, I'm there. But it's like this. It's like, do I want something fast that's going to taste good? Or do I want to throw something in a crock pot at home that's going to take a little time to marinate? That all the juices gets inside that chicken and that roast that you put in there with a little bit of potatoes and carrots and whoo. To get the best, you have to go through a process. The process is not always good, especially when you have to walk by that crock pot and you're just smelling the food and you're hungry. And you've been on a fast for like 15, 20 days. Not saying I am now, but you have to go through a process in order for God to place you where you need to be. And unless we're willing to go through the process, we will never get to the place to where God wants us to be. And so I want all the teens to stand up right now. Even you back there. I see you. And what I want to do is I just want to pray a blessing just right now just over you guys just real quick.